Okay, Thanksgiving is out of the way. We are now down to the final stretch. It's going to be a uh, chaotic and an exciting race to January 1st. Lots of stuff coming up. Lots of stuff to cover. Hope you guys had an excellent turkey day. It's the Stazapod. Let's go. First thing right off the bat, a little surprise announcement this morning. There is a uh, Indiegogo campaign for something called the Johnny Phantasm action figure. This is from uh, Riot Press for their character Johnny Phantasm. Uh, Johnny Phantasm is a pretty damn popular independent comic book venture. Um, And we are helping them make a figure of their character. Now, I know there are a lot of aspiring toy makers uh, of the audience of Pod and the Patreon. So let me break down for you why this opportunity happened and what the correct elements that aligned were, because it is truly a unique situation. Uh, but before I get into that, you can go and check out this campaign. There are going to be three different options. Uh, all of them have sort of really excellent bundle options. There's um, gold trading cards, there's poker chips, there's a a lunchbox, uh, and three figure variants. A big thank you to Mark Mosen and to Matt Dowdy for graciously lending their parts and their time and their intellect to make this happen. Uh, What you essentially are looking at is, you know, I I think you could consider this a, a sort of accessory kit to supplement the Suitman and the Mofos. And of the new parts that you will get, uh, that will of course work with all of our mof- uh, Mofos and Suitmans, um, include the shoulder holster with removable pistols. This I am super excited about. And it is actually a uh, accessory that Mark and I had talked about doing for Mofos. And if you go back my very first early concept art for Mofos, there is a character that has sort of double shoulder holsters. Um, so that is a sort of idea that was kind of in the realm of what we wanted to do for Mofos, but uh, was not going to make it into Series 1. So um, Patrick, the uh, creator, co-creator of Johnny Phantasm, had reached out. He was sort of a fan of what we were doing and um, wanted help in manufacturing this figure and making it into a reality. It just so happens, unbeknownst to him, the suit man was going into production in a very short amount of time. So we found ourselves in a unique position where we could actually get this accessory kit made and help out an independent creator realize his dream of having his character in 3D. And um, also, most importantly, the fan base of Johnny Phantasm is pretty significant. You know, Patrick and his team have done a really fantastic job of building up a fan base that not only, like, appreciates and reads his comics, but most crucially are online, have disposable income, and have no problem doing a transaction 
through something like Indiegogo or an e-commerce store. When you think about customer base, especially if you are an aspiring toy designer, you need customers. You can have the best ideas in the world. If you don't have customers, it doesn't matter. Your stuff's not going to sell. Believe me, I know. Uh, I launched Rex Gannon probably, what, 15 years ago? Maybe more than that? To a resounding thud. Nobody bought it. My family bought it. My friends bought it. Nobody beyond that bought it. Why? Because I didn't have customers. Um, when we also look at all the customers in the United States and the customers that are Glios collectors, you have to understand that we are a very, very small fraction of the total market share. Uh, as I highlighted previously, we are all online. We use social media. Not everybody in the United States does that and doesn't do it with the same frequency that we do. Not everybody in the United States or the world uses PayPal, has a PayPal account, is comfortable doing transactions online. There is still a huge segment of the population that don't engage in any of those things. Um, that, you know, would feel reticent to punch in their information, their shipping address, things like that. That, that is a very real thing. Um, you know, so when you, you are sort of thinking about customers and a project that you want to sell, you also are targeting this very narrow sort of uh, demographic, you know, people that also have extra money, which is not something that's really, uh, you know, in great abundance at this day and time. Another factor in being able to do this is Patrick can turn out a ton of high quality artwork. He's a super, super talented guy. I believe he's a graduate of the Kubert School, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you know, that's another big thing. Uh, if you're an aspiring toy designer, being able to draw yourself is a huge, huge, super important game. And if you are already in the religious practice of drawing every day, keeping a sketchbook, things like that, uh, you will have a much easier time in terms of getting your ideas communicated to other people because making toys is a group process for sure. You know, it takes a small army of dedicated people. I think also, you know, there are people who do make toys that are not artists themselves. Um, so you have to have really, really strong relationships with good artists. You have to compensate them well. And they have to sort of share your vision. They have to share your dream. Because, you know, this is, at the end of the day, these are all sort of passion projects. And if you can't convey the passion you have for making something and you can't infect other people with that, uh, again, I think it's gonna fall very flat. The other big reason why this sort of crossover was able to work is one in a million timing. Patrick just happened to have sent me an email as we were sort of getting ready to head into production on a figure that happened to contain almost precisely the base parts that would also be shared by his character. Now, when he approached me, he had a full 3D sculpt done that had been, uh, he'd commissioned from a, a really talented uh, 3D artist. Uh, but essentially, it was a guy in a suit. So think of the astronomically <laughs> 
insane coincidence that is, uh, you know, approaching a toy maker and saying, hey, I want to make a guy with a suit. And that toy maker just so happens to have been developing a guy with a suit that has not been shared publicly that you had no, you know, for knowledge of. That is pretty insane, you know, sort of coincidence. And um, I think that that's largely the reason why this worked. I, I mean, to be frank with you guys, I get solicitations all day long for people who want to make their toys. And I, I'm sure Matt Dowdy gets solicitations uh, times 100 what I do. And the reality is it just can't happen. You know, there's only so many hours in the day. We are managing our own lines. And, uh, you know, despite how good people's ideas may be, this is a, a sort of industry of very limited resources with time and attention being one of the most precious resources. Um, so when I looked at what this project could be, one, there was no heavy lifting for me to do on the art side. And that's great. That is a huge relief because, um, you know, if somebody approaches and they have a toy design, but they're not an artist themselves, inevitably their next question is, well, what artists can I hire? Who can I work with? The problem is I'm using those artists for my projects. So I'm not always able to sort of make recommendations for people. You know, Gavin Mackey's a, a wonderful, fantastic artist. Erwin Papa, same thing. Um, they're very busy guys and, and, you know, quite selfishly, I want them working on my stuff, if you know what I mean. So, boom, art, not going to be a concern. That's great. Second thing, is this going to cannibalize my customers? Is this going to lean on, you know, taking away more market share from the limited amount of Glios customers? Or is this going to introduce potentially a new fan base? And in this case, because there are, you know, uh, previous fundraising campaigns that Riot Press has done, you can look at the numbers of them online. You can see they've got, you know, a ready and willing fan base of a couple thousand people that will buy anything they put out. I mean, that's that's a good formula right there. That has the ability to bring in new customers, new eyeballs, new people who maybe have never heard of Glios before. Certainly never heard of Knights of the Slice before. And with that comes a very real alleviation of another concern, which is marketing, right? Uh, if you have a toy project, you have to market it. You have to have social media channels built up. You need thousands, if not tens of thousands of people to help spread the message of what you're doing. Um, now, I'm lucky enough to have Toy Pizza, which is managed by Nikki, 10,000 followers on Instagram, nothing to sneeze at. We have our Facebook group, which I think is approaching 1,000 people. And I have my Patreons who are, you know, I think we're uh, almost at 200. I think we're at 160, something like that. Uh, but I know every single patron buys almost everything I put out. So that's a really, really valuable piece of marketing that I have. With Riot Press, I knew the marketing was not going to solely lie on me to spread the word. These guys have their own engine. And... They're very adept at spreading their messages and getting people to the point of purchase and getting people to buy stuff. So another ingredient that is super crucial, I don't have to build 
a sort of marketing pipeline. It's already in place. And if anything, I might benefit from some of the marketing they do. And Glios on a whole might benefit from the marketing they do. Then again, you you know, the next element, you think of the extreme coincidence of them embarking to make a man in a suit figure and us just starting to uh, get our hands dirty in that process. The, the sort of, the burden of pre-development is probably the most labor-intensive part of a toy project. And when you're doing that on behalf of somebody else, you're essentially kind of doing it with very little joy, you know, because it's not your character. You're always going to care more about your own personal characters than you do somebody else or work for hire or contract work or, or things like that. Um, in us already stepping into production with the majority of pieces that would be needed for something like this, uh, and then just being able to supplement that with a couple sort of accessories, that is really, truly a very, very rare thing. I don't know that we'll ever encounter, you know, an opportunity like that. Again, I think it is super, <laughs> it's near impossible to, you know, to, to literally be tooling exactly what this uh, other person is looking for. I, I really can't overstate the... Uh, the sheer luck that was involved in all this. So I beckon all of you, go check out the Johnny Phantasm on Indiegogo. Uh, buy some of their books. Really, really solid storytelling. Very, very interesting read. I know we all need, you know, something new to read, so you can go do that. And um, I, for one, am looking forward to this. I think, logically, the figure is probably going to be a sort of summer release. Um, I think that's probably the the safest thing to bank on. And as I look at this campaign right now, I'm just going to hit refresh, make sure our numbers are up to date. Uh, they are, wow, I just jumped up, uh, 384% funded. That's pretty exceptional. And I know that this just launched at midnight in a sort of very secretive way. So uh, you guys may be some of the first to sign up for it, even though already out of the gate with their established fan base, um, it is far exceeded their initial funding ask. So um, go check it out. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited. I I am just fiending for these shoulder holsters. I think they're going to be, they're just going to add so much. And my hope is that they also work really well with our new Star Marshal, which uh, I haven't tested out the, the test shots or anything like that yet. So a bit of a question mark, but I think it's going to work. And um, I'm Super excited for this. So go check it out. Johnny Phantasm, Riot Press. Dune figures are here. They've arrived. Everybody's been asking me. They saw, I found in the wild, the 12-inch McFarlane, Baron Harkonnen figure. And everyone wanted to know what I thought of the 7-inch. Well, they hadn't arrived at that point, but they're here now. Big Bad Toy Store, got the full set because I had to do the Raban Build-A-Figure. And uh, I haven't had a ton of time with them, what with the holidays and all, but um, I now feel like I can speak on it. And I would say these are some of the better McFarlane figures. There is a, a sort of wide berth of quality with McFarlane figures. Um, 
I bought one of their 7-inch Fortnite figures, and it was... It, I'm sorry, it was garbage. Love you, Todd. It was garbage. Um, comparatively, I bought their Cyberpunk 2099, whatever, um, Keanu Reeves figure. Fantastic figure. One of the best figures McFarlane's ever done. So, you know, within the span of a year, it's a wide swath of, of different calibers of quality, I would say. So where do these Dune figures sit? Um, much closer to the Keanu Reeves figure than the Fortnite figure, thankfully. Um, you know, Dune is a risky sort of venture because there are a lot of characters. And what Todd and team did was pretty smart. They basically have two body types. They have big, bulky uh, adult body type, and then a sort of slender body type, which works for Paul and Lady Jessica. Um, just as a quick side note, to be sitting here with brand new Dune figures, after spending so many years, uh, you know, vigorously collecting any and all Dune memorabilia, building the LGN uh, sort of collection out, sculpting my own Dune figures, um, procuring the unreleased Gurney Halleck, Patrick Stewart, LJN figure, and making a bunch of casts of that. It is pretty wild to be sitting here in 2020 with brand new Dune figures of these characters that I've loved so much and, uh, you know, sort of have been part of my life for decades. Um, so yes, getting back to sort of the technical aspects, there's essentially two body types. You have uh, Stilgar and you have Duncan, in these big beefy types, which makes sense because uh, Javier Bardem and Jason Momoa play those characters, respectively. Um, and then you have Paul and Jessica in these sort of slimmer body types. It works, you know, the, the still suits are sort of bulky enough that, you know, there's no, they're, they're kind of a unisex approach anyway. Uh, and then the Build-A-Figure is Raban the Beast, and that's a unique sculpt and um, looks really, really good. And you know, I think Denny Villeneuve really is able to pull incredible performances out of Dave Bautista that I don't think any other director could get. You know, I think of the, the sort of opening to Blade Runner 2049, you know, the confrontation between Kay and Dave Bautista's character. And also there is a short film that was not, that was sort of released supplementary of that character and Dave Batista, another great performance by him. Um, just really, really great, good humanity to it, you know. Um, so, you know, there are a couple minor technical things that sort of prevent these from being really flawless figures, but um, they are quite minor. The biggest gripe I have is that the, the wrist joints on the smaller figures are perfect. They work great, and they are very well hidden by the sort of gloves that uh, fit over them. Now, these gloves I've pointed out before are just essentially Oakley tactical gloves, which I think is a bit odd. You know, one of, I, I think, one of Denny Villeneuve's um, liabilities is that he does a lot of off-the-rack costuming. You know, and I think that was a touch that was kind of missing in his Blade Runner. He pulls stuff that's just available in the open market and uses it. And to me, I like a little more fantastical 
and tailor-made approach to my futurism, but I'm willing to forgive it. In any case, the wrist joints work well and are very well covered on the smaller figures. And it is, you know, as about as seamless as you can get for something like that. On the larger figures, they seem a little extended, and it gives the arms a very awkward sort of twist. Um, I, I'm not sure what the problem here is. I guess they needed to just bury the joint a little further back in the sort of forearm. Um, if you guys pick up these figures, you'll see what I mean. It's not a it's not a deal breaker by any means, but to have sort of two different body types and have one of the body types have this problem non-existent and then have the bigger body type, it's it's very apparent. You know, that detracts a little something for me. Um, the hands are also, the, the, the sort of derotomer of plastic is very, very hard. So you will have to heat up these hands to get them to get, to get them to uh, sort of hold their accessories. Another failing and this is very minor. The backpacks don't really quite work. And I gotta tell you, I hate the design of these backpacks. This is another example of, you know, it looks like uh, the film is just sort of pulling off the rack items and, uh, you know, throwing a, a layer of dust on them and, and calling it something futuristic. Personally, I, I, you know, especially with the, the sort of dynamic visual history of Dune, if you look at Mobius's designs and you look at Yorodovsky's Dune, even Lynch's Dune, so much intricate, unique creation for the everyday items that make up these films. Um, maybe this is a conscientious choice. They wanted to get away from that fantastical nature. But uh, for me, I think, you know, missed opportunity. However, that doesn't rest on Todd's shoulders. This is a sort of filmmaker decision. Um, the backpack sort of, they have a strap and it sort of sits awkwardly. And, uh, you know, just can't get it to look uh, natural in some respects. Um, the other thing is the Raban figure, while it is really imposing and really well done, the hardest goddamn Build-A-Figure I have ever encountered. And I had to heat this puppy up to near molten plastic levels to get it to work. Use a lot of caution with these figures. I nearly broke my Raban figure trying to get the shoulder joints to pop in. Um, his legs are sort of cut at the thigh and are also extremely difficult to put together. So make sure in this cold weather you're using a lot of heat to treat these figures before you start articulating them or putting them together. Um, you know, I would hate to see some breakage happen. Uh, overall, I think I rate this about a B maybe a B plus. The sculpts are beautiful. The likenesses are really great. The use of different style plastics is good. The accessories are captivating. Like it's all there. These are all really, really well done. And I'm very happy to have sort of, you know, new Dune figures. It's, it's quite wild to say. Um, keep your eye out for these minor problems. I'm sure some really good customizers are going to be able to rework the sort of wrist joints on these. Also, I would say, minor note here, I know McFarlane uses a lot of real scan technology. Uh, I would not be surprised if they did not utilize full scans of the cast and the costumes. Um, one of the things I always talk about with toy design is that 
hands and accessories should be scaled up. They should not be proportional to real-life human proportions. Um, it's a stylistic choice, but it's something I try to adhere to. Because at, that, at, at a smaller scale, things can look really dwarfed and quite small. The hand size on these larger characters really appear tiny. Now, they're probably to scale with the scanned information, the actual costumes and the actual actors and things like that. But um, I think a little exaggeration at the toy development level would have really helped give these just a little extra something because the, the hands appear to be a little undersized. It, it's a better proportion on the uh, smaller type characters, Jessica and Paul. But uh, for these bigger guys, little undersized. And, um, you know, that's one of those, it's one of the failings of using real scan technology and real human proportions. They're not very toyetic. Uh, also, human heads are very large. And, um, you know, I always find I like to sort of tweak what the naturalistic proportions are because it just makes things a little more dynamic, a little more pleasing to the eye. Uh, appear a little more toyetic, if you will. So, again, these are aesthetic preferences. I don't think it, it sh you know, should weigh too heavily in your decision. Um, would I recommend you buy these? Yeah, I mean, if you love Dune, uh, if you like McFarlane, if you want sort of futuristic desert dwellers, I can't see you uh, being too upset with this purchase. Pretty strong sort of figure offering overall. Um... You know, it's a shame Dune is coming out next year. I feel like we're not going to get another wave of this toy line because, you know, their biggest opportunity to sell these figures is going to be when the, the movie is in theaters and people are hyped for it. I, I think that, unfortunately, the brand itself without that film is probably not enough to make this such a resounding success that they move into a second wave. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of other characters I would like to see here. I'd like to get Gurney Halleck, the Duke, um, you know, it's endless, really. So, this kind of uh, holds me over until next year when we, we get to see the film. Um, I think McFarlane did a good job. Kudos to them. I wonder if anybody there is like a, you know, a huge fan of the work and that's why they selected this. Because it is such an oddball property at the end of the day. But um, we're here. We got these toys. Go pick them up. And um, maybe don't go to the movie theaters. So now as we move into December, there's a lot of stuff to look out for. Um, I am happy to announce that as of today, Star Marshall has eclipsed Hackerman as our best-selling single figure. Now, of course, he is dwarfed by Captain Peasy, but that's dealing with a much, much bigger fan base that may or may not collect Knights of the Slice, and that's a, you know, much more of a independent collaboration. As far as our standard releases go, Star Marshal is number one with a bullet, with six bullets, six revolver bullets, as a matter of fact. Uh, so thank you guys for making him such a success. Very interesting uh, sales data on Star Marshall. And I think that largely this is because of the holiday. But typically, all of our business is done within the first 12 hours. 
and then you get little ones and two orders uh, that matriculate in, you know, for the next couple days afterwards. Star Marshall and the store in general did a lot of business over the span of, you know, from Tuesday, sorry, uh, to uh, today, which is Friday. Um, Probably, you know, people are sort of traveling and, and picking up on things later. Also, word spreads rather slowly about uh, new figures and when they debut. We kept this sort of secret so there was no advance warning. But um, I'm proud of him achieving this spot. It, it's pretty great. And I gotta say, actually, not a ton of inventory left. I had hoped to sort of roll him over into what will be a sort of material style store at some point in the future. Um, I don't know how long he's going to hang around there, to be honest. You guys put a, a very significant dent in a aggressive amount of inventory. So I, I truly appreciate that. Um, Star Marshall, as we talked about on the live stream, was such a labor of love and, and had so many starts and stops and just went through so much, you know, and so many different people really came together to make him happen. So I, I'm happy he's been well-received. I think you guys are really going to like this figure when you get it in hand. And I am, within moments of recording this, going to head out to the workshop, and I'm going to be in there for, you know, the foreseeable future, getting these orders out to you guys. So thank you for making a success. Uh, it's always very, very risky to develop these things in private. Um, you know, pre-orders help sort of mitigate the risk or even just sharing photos ahead of time kind of help you get a gauge on if you're on the right track or not. Uh, we did this one totally in secret and I think it paid off. It was absolutely worth it. And uh, when you slap on the green armor and you put a cowboy hat on this guy, you're going to understand the magic of this figure and, and why it's so important. So look forward to him heading to you very soon. Now... As we get closer to December 1st, many pieces are going to slide into the puzzle. The obvious biggest one is Action Figure of the Month merging with Patreon. We've been talking about this for a while now. Um, also, been getting a good question. Is there going to be a December Patreon gift for people in the $25 or $30 tier? I'm going to talk about tiers in a moment. Um, there will be. I just don't know what figure it's going to be yet. It will be a material style figure. Um, what that figure is largely depends on how many people are sort of in place in December in those those higher tiers. Uh, the end quantity will determine which figure I'm sort of able to send you guys, but I have a lot of great ones to uh, pick from, and for what it's worth, um... This will be our sort of last Patreon gift of the year and of the material style, if you think about it. Uh, you know, moving into 2021 is going to mean the $30 and $50 tiers will get the fully painted or fully accessorized Action Figure of the Month Club figure. And then material figures will just largely be in this new dedicated store section. So, you know, it's with a little uh, little tear running down the side of my face that I will provide for you this final gift of the Patreon in the current form 
that uh, it takes. As we evolve, there will be a $30 tier opening up. I'm probably going to try to do this on December 1st or the you know within the first couple days. Uh, I will open up the $30 tier. I will then invite the higher tiers to enroll and turn themselves over to the process of signing up for Active Freaking Month 2021. Um, there will also be the full year option. Now, as a reminder, if you sign up and pay for the entire year of the Action Figure of the Month Club through Patreon, you will get a bonus 13th figure. So I'm encouraging as many people to do that if it's possible for you. Having the full year data helps me plan out what kind of figures I'm going to have and uh, send to you guys moving forward. So that is a, a super, super helpful thing. And I think also it will... You won't have to worry about having, you know, updated credit card info and everything else. You won't have to worry about getting billed monthly and having declined transactions, stuff like that. It's going to be locked in place and, and make both our lives much simpler. So around December 1st, I'm going to turn on the full year enrollment. I'm going to turn on a new $30 tier. I will advise you when you can switch over. And then... I will delete the $25 tier and I will open to the public enrollment in Action Figure of the Month 2021. Uh, there will be a pretty strict cap on how many enrollees I can have for the first couple months as I figure out what our numbers are, what the sort of drop-off rate is, and how many pieces I need to kind of fulfill these quantities. But as we get closer to the spring, I should have pretty solid numbers and be able to, uh, you know, lift those those enrollment numbers up a bit higher. Um, and I think that that is pretty much everything. You guys are welcome to email me with specific questions, but uh, I'm going to try to make this as painless as possible. Um, this is a big, it's a big roll of the dice, you know. Currently, I I receive money from Action Figure of the Month Club, and I receive money from Patreon. And I'm willing to lose money to simplify the process and merge these two things together and put all my eggs essentially in the Patreon basket. Um, is this the wrong move? I won't know until I try, and we're going to try together. And I'm willing to have it be a failure if it does mean I have less paperwork to go through, I have less organizational things to sort of keep up on and um you know it's uh i think it's worth the risk and as we grow action figure of the month club we will also have these sort of micro fundraising campaigns that will happen um throughout next year probably try to limit it to one or two and uh it's just generally it's gonna be great i like getting toys in the mail I know you like getting toys in the mail, and we're going to sort of, we're going to make that happen. We're going to bring that to fruition. Uh, trying to think if there's any other interesting things to think about. Oh, yes, of course, December 4th, I believe, is still on for the O'Neill drop. Do not miss this. I can't state it enough. If you guys did not attend the live stream, you can go watch it on twitch.tv slash Knights of the Slice. There are some teasers and sneaks in there. Do not miss December 4th. You really got to show out, 
show up in a big way um, and you're going to want what Matt has. I, I can tell you that much. I'm looking at it right now. Got a small army of them sitting on my dining room table. It is not to be missed. The whole wave is going to be pretty fantastic and a, and a great way for O'Neill Design to end the year. So mark that in your calendar. Make sure you go and check that out. Um, I think that's everything I wanted to say today. I hope you guys had a happy Thanksgiving. Um, are you going to put a tree up now? I think it's kind of the safe time to do it, right? I myself, I aspire to uh, imbibe in my normal tradition of watching Lord of the Rings all the way through. And uh, hopefully I get to start that this weekend. We'll see. But uh, thank you guys. I'm thankful for you. And uh, the only thing left to say is peace out.